from meager beginnings as an adolescent ambulance washer in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, to a decade-long legacy of bringing you breaking news before it makes the news. Broadcasting live from the studios of Scared Monkeys Radio Network via C-Band Satellite W3-957, Access Communications Channel 7, and worldwide via digital streaming audio at scaredmonkeysradio.com, it's the Dana Pretzer Show. And now, your host, Dana Pretzer. Okay, good evening, everyone. It's uh, December 31st. It's New Year's Eve. 2014, soon to be 2015, and where would we be without a Scared Monkeys Radio year in review? Red, of course, is the uh, chief cook and bottle washer at the uh, Scared Monkeys Forum, and I thought I'd bring him in to talk about 2014. Red, Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you too, Dana. It's hard to believe another year's gone by. How many years have we been doing this? You know, I... I... Would say what did we, maybe seven or eight. I was going to say seven, and this we're going into our eighth. It's hard. It's it, it's wow. It, it's hard to believe. It seems like um, a year sometimes, and then others with some of the stuff that goes on. It seems like it's uh, twenty years. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we do this every year. It's the year end, and. Uh, I bling, I bling. There you go. I'm trying to say bring and 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 blink at the same time, and I get bling. I bring blink and you on uh, to talk about 2014 and what's been going on uh, with ScaredMonkeys.com. And uh, let's start. I want to get. You know, we talk crime with blink, and uh, we're going to play that in a little bit because I sat down earlier with her and pre-recorded. But I want to get your thoughts on the uh, the attack on police. This is something I thought. I would never see, uh, obviously, you know what I do for a living besides this, uh, and, and the men and women in law enforcement are under attack, no thanks to uh, the higher-ups who uh, some of them have uh, blood in their hands, in my opinion, and it's certainly something that um, we need to be looking over our shoulders at, and uh, it's 2015, I'm afraid to say, probably won't get any better. Dana, I mean... I've been uh, putting together some stuff for what what Scared Monkeys is going to be considering the, um, the the top ten stories of the year. And this is actually my top, uh, my number one story of 2014. And many places call it the protesters versus the police, um, police racism, whatever. I find it absolutely appalling and disgusting that. Under finally under this administration, we have the complete breakdown of authority to the point where the very people you know better than I, you know, I mean, I've actually wanted to potentially do a um, radio show with you where you're on the other um, side of the microphone, Mm -hmm. where you're interviewed as to what you go through um, every single day not knowing when you pull somebody over, serve a warrant, do whatever, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. And it's it's like this with everything in everyone's um, work, no matter if you're a police officer or if you just have a regular business job. You have to come every day, top of your game. 
because you don't know what that day is going to bring and how on earth we've gotten to the point where we have a president, an attorney general, um, a mayor of the largest city in the United States with de Blasio, turning their back on the very people who protect, serve, and keep the peace and side with anarchist protesters who for them, are lying through their teeth yeah. as to what is going on, whether it be Ferguson, Missouri, where someone, you know, hands up, don't shoot, turned out to be a complete and utter lie. You have a situation in Brooklyn, New York, where the individual's family says it was not because of racism. Now, you know and I know, are there, um, are there bad cops out there? Of course there are. There's bad in every profession. Two to three percent, you know, we, you know, and if that was the case, we'd want to get rid of them. But the fact that every single time, if there's black crime and there's a white police officer, it's somehow racism and it's somehow the cop's fault and it's somehow you guys need to um, become kindler and gentler. <laughs> I, I, it's a travesty. It's an absolute travesty because uh, is, is this really where we want to get to, whether it be, you know, you guys in Canada, us in the United States, where we have... Um, law enforcement and executive branches of government at each other's throat because they can't trust each other because the police officers know that their, their backs aren't being covered. You know, it's so true, uh, Red from uh, Scared Monkeys is here. He's the administrator of that website, uh, who I work with very closely over the past uh, almost eight years now on this radio program. And it's something, Red, that um, when you look at whether it's Moncton, Canada, whether it's New York, whether it's Florida, whether it's whatever, and I see the statistics uh, are posted on Scared Monkey, something like 56% uh, increase in, in uh, firearms-related deaths with police officers. Uh, it, it's a dangerous job. It's not a respected job. Uh, most people like the cops, unless they have to deal with the cops. It's just that simple. And at town administrators, small-town mayors, big city mayors, governments, whatever, when they try to politicize policing like they've done, when they've tried to gain the respect of a certain group of people because of an incident, what they've done, and turned their backs on the police officers, I can't blame those cops in New York for turning their backs on the mayor. It may show some disrespect maybe to the office of the mayor, but he's getting what he gave. Am I wrong? I think you're 100% correct, Dana. Um, respect is not given, it's earned. And when you show none, you get none. Um, the fact that we have, and it, it, you know, it, it's trickled down. This stuff has been going on since day one, since Barack Obama has been in office. Yep. It, it started up in uh, Cambridge, Mass. The Beer Summit. Or one of his buddies, um, a, uh, a person at Harvard, got in a tussle with cops. Automatically, the cops were acting stupidly. When we find out the truth, 
it was Barack Obama that was acting stupidly because he shot his mouth off when he didn't need to. Yep. We saw the same thing with Trayvon Martin. Got himself involved. Trayvon Martin would have been looked like his son, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> okay. Um, now we get to the point where you've got Eric Holder, Attorney General, yeah. doing the same thing, where everything is a uh, case against the police that someone's civil rights were violated. It truly boggles the mind, Dana, how you can have an individual strong-arm robbery of a store walks down the middle of the street like <laughs> he thinks he's all it, doesn't listen to a police officer, gets into then with scuffle with a police officer, tries to take the police officer's gun, charges then the police officer, gets shot, go figure. I would like to think that if I did the same thing, I'd wind up with seven bullets in myself, too. Right. If I acted that insane. And somehow or another, that individual becomes a hero to the masses, egged on by a biased liberal media who perpetuated a story that wasn't true. And every time the police in Ferguson, Missouri, came out with videos. And they had to come out with this stuff to basically put the information out there because no one was telling the truth as to what was going on. And all they got from it was an attorney general going back at them saying that they were leaking information when they were leaking the truth. Yep. To this day, you see the people with the you know, arms up in the air Get, and arms up, don't shoot. Well, at what point, I mean, we've gotten to the point where the lie has been told so many times, people think it's the truth. And even when they're confronted with the facts, they don't want to hear it. And it's and all that happened out of this, cop lost his job because he feared for his life. The rest of the police officers in the town are neutered. They can't do a damn thing. They can't say a damn thing. And it's, it's, it, it reminds me so much of what the education system has become. Yeah. Now that same political correctness nonsense is being pushed upon law enforcement. And, I mean, I'm, I'll be the first to say, have I run across some cops in my lifetime that were the biggest <laughs> idiots I've ever met? Of course I have. We all have anecdotal experiences, you know, bat, right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not black. They treated some. Try running into a Georgia State police officer on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You can't say sir enough to these folks, yeah. and they're still going to just make your life a living hell. Massachusetts State cops, not much better. Yeah. But that being said, that is such a minority of things that happen when it comes to the police. Because like I said when we first started all this, these guys go out every single day where they don't know when they're pulling over a poke, when they're pulling over a car for what everyone thinks is a routine stop, 
you don't know if there's a drug dealer in there who's who's got drugs in his car, who basically knows he has to shoot his way out of this. No different than the police officer in Flagstaff just recently shot. Police are getting shot at now across all over the place, right. whether from L.A. to, you know, back to Florida. And it's all because their authority has been undermined because of the politicization of trying to pander to a voting bloc, yep. which it's beyond insane. It, it, it's heartbreaking. It, it's heartbreaking. I don't know how you guys, I, honestly, Dana, I don't know how you guys do it. Well, you know, really don't. It, it's been 32 years, coming up 33 for me, and, and and you know, I talk about this all the time. I'd love to retire and, 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 and do more radio work, but it nevertheless... Once you put on that badge, whether you're working, not working, retired, uh, fired, hired, whatever, you're a cop for the rest of your life. But um, for those just tuning in, this is Scared Monkey Radio 2014 Year in Review. Red's here from scaredmonkeys.com, and we're going over some of the stories that uh, he and his team have covered with on uh, Scared Monkeys, talking about the cops. We could do this for the whole hour, but you mentioned liberal media, and the stats are out today. I saw it on your on your page. We talked about it all year. Yeah, MSNBC and uh, CNN are down in the dumps again. Uh, reruns will leave it to Beaver are beating them. Uh, Fox News, of course, for 13 years is on top. Uh, what about that? What about the, you know, the people are speaking when it comes to cable TV viewing, too bad they wouldn't do that when it comes to electing. But nevertheless, your thoughts on, uh, and Scared Monkey's thoughts on liberal media like MSNBC. I think it's, I mean, it's, it does speak volumes, and at least it gives you a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of hope yeah. that there, um, people do have a clue out there. We're a country that's pretty much split right down the middle at 50 50. We've got um, those that want to be informed and those that don't care to be informed. And I was going to joke around with you a little bit and say that, you know, start out by saying, you know, Scared Monkey's number one uh, story of uh, 2014 was the uh, Kardashians. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that being said, for many people, that is. Sure, yeah. Um. And, and that's their idea of keeping informed with the world because they're more concerned about ridiculous pop culture than they are about what's really going on in the world that affects them. And I think when you see the MSNBCs of the world who have employed a disgusting individual like Al Sharpton, yes, who... I don't know how they get away with having this guy in the media who is nothing more than a race hustler, who has a history of being anti-cop. Has I mean, I, I know most people are probably too young to remember Tawana Brawley and how this guy got his name, but he's not really doing anything today that he wasn't doing 20, 30 years ago. And he just has a bigger forum to be able to do it. It's it's like under this administration, it's become Obama in Wonderland, where those that we always considered 
the insane section, the left, the left of the left, that no one used to pay attention to because they were just friggin' crazy, <laughs> are now in positions of authority. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, Al Sharpton, employed by MSNBC, charlatan, race hustler, race baiter, whatever you want to call him, he has a direct link to the White House as being like the czar of black-white relations. And when you allow somebody like that into your house, it speaks volumes of what is going on, and I think it tells you a lot of what is going on. But the fact that nobody watches the CNNs of the world, MSNBCs, I think it's, um, the ratings probably would be even less if uh, these kind of folks weren't even given any, given any kind of uh, attention. Because, I mean, if, if they weren't forefront in, in what is going on, it's hard, it, it's just hard to believe that anybody watches this stuff. But then, hey, you check out some of the stuff that's online with even the farther left stuff. They're probably not watching those shows because they're on those websites. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Red from uh, Scared Monkeys is here. This is the Scared Monkeys Radio uh, 2014 Year in Review. Uh, you know, whether it's missing persons, uh, victims' rights, uh, politics, entertainment, technology, uh, crime, punishment, uh, you name it, Scared Monkeys covers it. Uh, how difficult is it to pick that story? Because, you know, you know we've got a plane crash. We have uh, uh, a mass murder up here in Canada, in Edmonton, uh, all the political nonsense that's going on. The stories just go on and on and on. It could be a 24-7 thing for you. Red, how do you pick that story? You know, it, it's it's not... It's not the easiest thing in the world to try to drill down as to what would be considered. I mean, what be that popular story. When you get into, like, let's say the, the plane crash, it's, it's, it's news, but it's probably news just for the fact that it's a plane crash. Unfortunately, people die, missing plane, you know, that kind of thing. At that point... You really can't go on and on and on about it. Sure. Yep. Like, obviously, <laughs> cable news does, yep. where they forget the fact that um, there's even uh, other news going on in the world. So what we tend to try to do is not always glom on to that top story. There's so much other stuff going on that it's, whether it's even locally, whether it's within the United States, whether it's... Um, something sometimes some people don't even know about, and that's so that's like the key, I think, in what has happened in 2014. Because, as you said, there was so much craziness going on. We had the elections going on. We had Ebola. Yeah. We had ISIS. We, I mean, everything has just gone crazy. <laughs> where. Um, this administration just, it doesn't matter. Everything has just turned out to be absolutely screwed up and, and, and uncontrollable. So you look at foreign policy, 
you look at domestic policy, you look at political corruption, it's, when you look at the situation like we talked about with the police, it goes on and on. So you're right, I could literally be doing this 24-7 and still not cover everything. So it, it does, um, it's just some of those stories where we try to pick out what we think is important. We try to f- pick out what we think people will like, what's intriguing, what I find intriguing. And then, you know, I got to tell you, Dana, sometimes it gets to be so much on the on the negative side. I got to throw something in there crazy yeah, to, uh, yeah. to just put it out. And sometimes it doesn't seem like it fits and the chronological order of how things are being posted. It's its kind of like all of a sudden putting a rap song right next to Perry Como. <laughs> so, but, but you got to do it sometimes. Otherwise, you drive yourself crazy. Absolutely. Rad from Scared Monkeys is here uh, talking 2014. Uh, Keystone XL, uh, midterm elections, uh, you name it. It's uh, been covered many different ways. Uh, we don't hide uh, what we feel on Scared Monkeys or here on the show. But when it comes right down to it, uh, Red, I want to touch on politics a little bit before I let you go. Uh, the GOP, uh, just keeps shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again. And now there's another bush that's being considered. Uh, really, the people, when it comes down to that choice, must just kind of like when you're flipping channels on TV, Keep flipping, keep flipping, keep flipping. Oh, this looks interesting. We're going to stop here. And uh, when the show's over, they'll say, well, that's crap. Kind of like this administration's been. Geez, I hope the next election's not going to be like that. Well, even with the 2014 elections, with the uh, the midterms where Obama's policy, Obama wasn't on the um, ballot, but all of his policies were. Right. And the Democrats got their their collective asses handed to them. You still look at it as I'm not per se a Republican. I am a conservative. Right. I don't consider um, Jeb Bush a conservative. I consider him a rhino. <laughs> <laughs> I consider McCain a rhino. I consider. Uh, Romney, a rhino, and what do they all have in common? They're the three people that the GOP wanted to tote out in the past umpteen years to put in as the face of the Republican Party as president, and you wonder why they lost. It's as, as good as the GOP did in 2014, they could have done a thousand times better if the people had just had a clue in some of the southern states voted out the incumbent senators like those in Mississippi in Tennessee and put in a conservative that they would have been voted in in a heartbeat because a Democrat isn't going to win down in the South. So you could have actually have had non people other than establishment candidates, but it's getting to the point where the GOP doesn't want that. If you, if you take a look, and as you, as you said, they want, let's say, a Jeb Bush. 
and what does, you know, you hear the media go, oh, it's going to be Hillary versus Jeb Bush. Dear God, seriously? <laughs> we have how many millions of people in the United States of America, and we can't find someone that's last name isn't Clinton or Bush? I mean, I, I got to say, and I'll call, and I'll call it like it is, for years... I railed on the Kennedys because I was so sick of this American dynasty, the, you know, our version of royalty. And I'm like, guys, I grew up in New England. I know all about the Kennedys. They're about as far from royalty as it gets. And it's, I mean, do I dislike the Bushes personally? No. No, no I don't. Did I think George W. was going to do a better job than he did. Yeah. Did he do a great job after 9-11? Yes, he did. Yeah. Unfortunately, he spent money like a drunken, sa drunken sailor. Yeah. Um, if they don't put someone who has conservative values up as the candidate for the GOP... I can honestly say that that there probably will be a third-party revolt against the Republican Party, and it would be the end of it. Because I think that the one thing, believe it or not, that Republicans and Republican base and the Democratic base, we actually have something in common, as far left and as far right as we are. And that's that neither one of us like Jeb Bush, neither one of us like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can, I mean, they, the, the Democratic base doesn't want Hillary. No. They don't want her at all. They want Elizabeth Warren out of Massachusetts. Is she, and, and for my taste, hell, she's so left, so I think we may shake hands coming around, the, you know, on the right-hand side. <laughs> that, being, that being said, we cannot, the Republicans cannot afford to put in another rhino, another person who it's quote-unquote their turn to run for uh, president. It hasn't worked the last three times. What makes anyone think it's going to happen the next time? Because isn't that the definition of crazy? Well, it's going to be interesting, and I'm sure in 2015, uh, the, you and, and your team, uh, thank heavens for Klaus and, and everybody else that's there that uh, participates with Scared Monkeys. Without you, uh, Red, uh, the people would uh, not have a great place to go to to get that information they can't get on uh, mainstream media. So thank you to everyone there. Uh, I wish you the happiest of 2015. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll talk soon. I'm going to bring our friend Blink on uh, to talk about the crime aspect of it and uh, just throw out the last word to you. And Dana, I would just like to, to say the same. Thank you so much for the work that you do um, on and off of the radio. Because I think a lot of people finally got a realization this past year as to what it kind of means to be a police officer and the dangers that you guys go through and the immediate decisions that you guys have to make and a lot of the political BS that you guys have to go through as well. Yeah. That being said, 
I would be remiss not to thank all of those class at the top of the list as to those that help out and do so much, the moderators on the, um, on the forum, those that send in helpful little tidbits and heads up for stories, those that participate in the conversation, and that's whether they agree or disagree. I mean, we can do that. You know, in the United States, that's what we do, as long as we can do it civilly. And I just hope for 2015 that things do get better. I'm, <laughs> I don't think they probably will until 16, but I can only hope that this shock of what happened where um, two police officers lost their lives, obviously, because the mob was riled up and the mob lashed out. And, you know, to you and, you know, all of your fellow police officers, they can turn their back on anyone that they want. You guys have freedom of speech, and if you don't do it in a public forum, no one else is going to be there to watch it and cover it. So for that, I do thank you, you know, like I said, for all that you do. And the, um, the fact that you put yourself out there to protect and serve others, I, that, that, uh, that's truly commendable, Damon. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, we'll be in touch and look forward to working with you more in 2015. Thank you so much, Dana. You have a happy new year. Thanks, Red. Take Stay care. Safe. Bye-bye. That's Red, the uh, administrator and owner of Scared Monkeys. Dot com. This is the uh, Dana Pretzer Show on Scared Monkeys Radio and Access uh, Channel 7 in uh, Saskatchewan. Access Cable Systems are wishing you, everyone, uh, a happy new year, safe new year. And to remind you to remember the men and women in law enforcement, protective services, uh, fire, uh, police, ambulance, uh, military, that uh, put their lives on the line for you. Uh, not a lot of respect sometimes for men and women in uniform, but the majority of the people that do respect those men and women are out there and supporting. And remember, it's a tough job, and it's something that, uh, you know, we have to agree that uh, is getting more dangerous as the days and, and weeks uh, continue. And we want administrations in cities and provinces and governments in the United States and North America and around the world to understand that, and I think that's so important. Uh, one of our uh, co-contributors here at Scared Monkeys in 2014 is Blink from uh, BlinkOnCrime.com, and I sat down with her today to talk about what's been going on there in 2014. Okay, we're back. This is uh, Scared Monkeys Radio, 2014, a year in review, and we cannot... Have a year in review without uh, talking to our sister blogger, Blink from Blink on Crime. Good evening, good afternoon. We're actually recording this early on New Year's Eve, ma'am. How are you? I am well, and Happy New Year's Eve to you and to yours, Dana. 2014. It's done. It was quite the year. Uh, just, let's just talk a little bit about you before we get to, uh, and you are Blink on Crime, of course, but uh, what about you? How are you doing? You've had, had lots of changes this year. I have, and I'm doing very, very well. There's there's a lot going on, as you know. I'm back at school, and I'm in a practicum, and I'm doing all this kind of stuff. So I, didn't, I haven't had as much time as I would like to do some original work, you know, and even, right. and as we'll talk about and touch on, a lot of cases I've been writing on with 
original work for many, many years, we've seen some uh, progress this year. So for me, it, you know, it, it's a little bit bittersweet. It's certainly the first priority uh, as an advocate and uh, as a criminal analyst to see these things you know, hopefully come to fruition in a, in a prosecution and closure for families, it, it can be a little bit taxing that I don't get to spend as much time as I would like. We call this social media, we call this uh, you know, blogging, we call this whatever, but what about that? What have you seen in the changes from when you started doing this to now 2015? I have seen less um, individual cases Centric blogging, and what I mean by that, like yeah. I would say, maybe Kaylee Anthony is a good example. You know, where you had, you know, individual sites dedicated uh, just to that information or coverage. For me, I've seen a lot less of that, and I and I think that's because it's become more socially responsible in terms of what people, you know, people being held to a standard of what they're saying. You know, when you get down to forensics or or law, so. I'm not sure that I've seen the same level of high-profile cases that we're used to, you know, out of the gate. You know how, like, the Nancy Grace is, is blowing everything up. For me, I haven't seen that kind of coverage. I've just, I haven't seen people dedicate, you know, the resources or the time to cover those kinds of cases, personally. Now, that doesn't mean to say that I don't, you know, the, the topics of the world and, you know, other sites and so forth that aren't covering them, I just feel like I've seen less, um, less, you know, individuals, you know, from a professional perspective, putting things out there as I've seen, um, you know, people that are just commenting. They're still very much interested in true, con- true, true, excuse me, true crime and also the outcome of cases. You know, you had Trayvon Martin, you had things along those lines. Um, I just see them uh, doing more of the anonymous posting kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Even you mentioned Nancy Grace and and the uh, the cable TV coverage. Uh, I just did a story here the other day about cable news once again, and CNN and MSNBC are suffering the lowest ratings they ever have. Uh, they're thinking about game shows and sports and all that sort of stuff. And you have to wonder if the public is losing interest, or is the public just losing interest in cable TV and more interested in what we do? My personal opinion on that is that it's twofold. One, I think that um, some of the more high-profile cases seem to divide um, audiences. That's true. Yeah. In that, um, when they do that, people are less inclined to participate in the conversation. Uh, you know, I refuse to cover Trayvon Martin only because that was like a written invitation. You know, to, to really kind of dislodge what I would consider important work and important viewership because, you know, it's just sensationalized. You have your Jesse Jackson out there, you have this, that, and the other thing. And then you have, you know, when we're talking to get into Ferguson, I refuse to cover that as well. And the reason is, well, number one, I didn't have the time that I would like to dedicate to do it correctly because I feel that if you cover that topic, you absolutely have to be. You know, you have to be on point. You can't, you know, I'm not a reporter. I guess is what I'm saying. You know, I I could sit and I could write links from other sites, but I think what my readership and viewership is about is, you know, where I weigh in. And I just felt like when you racially divide and you have these kinds of, um, you know, situations, that's all it really seeks to do. And that's not what I'm about. But if you get into, you know, and, and again, I think that, 
people are less inclined. I think the media is less inclined to bite on high-profile cases because there just hasn't been one um, that has set them apart and producers aren't willing to put themselves out on that limb, you know, as they as they were at that time. And I, I do believe that the influx and the instantaneousness, if you will, of the media torrent um, allows people to pick and choose their subject matter, their genre. Um, you're not getting away from the fact that true crime is probably the highest uh, interest level that there is in terms of whether it's you know audience participation online or streaming or things along those lines. Um, but not really a lot of new programming I'm seeing that's coming out in terms of true crime and reality. That's interesting. Blink from Blink on Crimes here. She's our sister blogger, and this is a Scared Monkeys Radio 2014 year in review. Now, it wouldn't be a year in review without me uh, ambushing you with a question that you're not prepared for, so... <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's right. let's do that now. You touched on it a little bit, but I want to get your thoughts on what I'm calling the attack on uh, uniformed men and women across North America that carry the badge. There are bad cops out there. We all know that. But uh, this is just getting outright dangerous. It's getting outright ridiculous. I've been doing that job for a long, long time, and even though I'm at the end of uh, my career, uh, one of these days, um, continuing on and supporting those men and women in blue or whatever color uniform they have is is an important thing. I want to get your thoughts as an analyst as far as what's happening to law enforcement today. There's a couple things that are going on. And, and first and foremost, law enforcement, in my view, is one of the most difficult jobs in the country. And it's difficult for, first of all, it's also the risky, one of the riskiest jobs uh, in the country. And many times these men and women are underpaid, they're under-trained, uh, and they're understaffed. And anybody that, you know, anytime I've ever had to be critical of, of such a performance, it hurts my heart as I have relatives in law enforcement. I work with law enforcement. Um, so first I want to say the fact that they would be targeted in any way it, it, I mean, it sickens me, and I think that it, it, it goes to the national level right away. I mean, it, it goes to a hate crime, yeah. in my mind. If you're, if you're um, targeting law enforcement officers, and I could bring up cases that I have not covered personally, but I keep a very close eye on, that I am very concerned are part of this kind of percolation of what you're talking about. So you didn't stump me, Dana. <laughs> I'm aware of it. Um, there's a there's a, um, a case out of Kentucky. Uh, officer's name is Jason Ellis, uh, who this year was the year anniversary. He was ambushed. He was shot uh, twice with a shotgun on his way home. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that this man was ambushed. The sheriff um, of that, uh, uh, his name is Rick McCubbin, of that area actually received a letter that was similar to what I would call a threat against law enforcement agents in in the U.S. That case is unsolved. Okay, so then you look towards, you know, what, I mean, certainly uh, the New York uh, PD. Um, and then well, I'm going to draw this back to some, something that was called to my attention yesterday, and that was in the, um, the Chamberlain murder, a uh, young woman unsolved case, uh, beginning of December, as I recall, literally lit on fire at a gas station. Right. That gas gas station was owned by a, a, a Yemeni 
national. And in the New York PD case, um, I believe the gentleman uh, ended up committing suicide on a railroad track or things along those lines. Um, but I believe they found six or seven hundred one hundred dollar bills, and they couldn't figure out how this jobless homeless person is having this funding. Um, and very quickly after that, and this was in Memphis where the young woman uh, was lit on fire, there was a security alert, a national security alert, on the potential for an incident in the area based out of Yemen. And where I'm going with this, and, and some of this has to do with I did a dissertation on Benghazi. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sound like red for a minute. Um, but a couple of months ago, and... I have to say, terrorism in particular is not my area of expertise or analysis. Some of that is because I think until you really study, uh, and when I say study, I'm talking years and years and years uh, of the culture, uh, to understand what it takes for you know these pockets or these cells to develop um, and how dangerous they can be. And secondarily, I have to say, it's the mo- some of the most frightening curriculum when you are talking about a body of people that are willing to die for anything and kill for anything. I mean, I really can't think of a bigger threat. But where I'm going with this is ISIS in particular, if you've watched the news, you, you know, you've got this beheading and you've got that beheading. Uh, I believe recently they're responsible for some child deaths right. uh, in the Middle East. When you see that, and now I'm seeing pockets of it in what, you know, a couple of years ago, you, you know, you would call it like the um, the Midwestern um, underprivileged. You know, that's where like the meth popped up, the meth population. It's It didn't take much, it seems, if that is linked to terrorism in any way, they're actually funding criminality or criminals without the criminals knowing it, if that makes sense. Now, I'm not suggesting for sure that this... Uh, owner of the gas station from Yemen, I, I can't, I can only tell you what has happened in the case, and I can only say, you know, superficially in a case that I'm not uh, particularly involved in, that I'm concerned when I see these uh, ha- these occurrences in a linear fashion that then add the, you know, Homeland Security, and then they add the U.S. Marshal Service, and when I see that, that's telling me that there's a larger and greater concern, and it's linked to, you know, what is a better way to create unrest? Going after police right. and um, going after um, people that don't like the police. And I, I want to, I want to keep an eye on that. I'm concerned. I, guess I, I really believe that if you know there is to be any sort of a you know international or terrorist element. It would make sense to me if they would be going after the criminal element as long as the criminal element doesn't realize that it's furthering a terrorist agenda. Because even our own criminals, Dana, are not going to want to buy in, for the most part, I should say, are not going to want to buy into the fact that they're going to be part, you know, I'm stealing, you know, two packs of cigarillos, you know, (laughs) down the street. I'm not thinking to myself, I I might be thinking to myself, all right, so I'm going to, stuff it with weed and I'm going to go sell these at a hundred bucks a pop or whatever. And maybe, you know, I'll have 500 bucks. I'm not thinking I'm going to create a catastrophe for my very family or yeah. things along those lines. So I have an eye on that and it concerns me. Yeah, no, for sure. 
Uh, Blink from Blink on Crimes here. This is uh, Scared Monkeys Radio 2014 year in review. Okay, let's get to BlinkOnCrime.com, obviously. It's our sister blogger. Um, cases that you and I have talked about uh, over the year uh, 2014, one of the ones that uh, gets to me um, and, and still think about it and we'll probably still talk about it next year and, and hopefully get some answers uh, is the Kessies. Uh, what about the Kessies in 2014? I have absolutely no update on that case. I was hopeful um, in a way that I can't discuss because sure. I'm discoverable in that case. Right. Um, and it just hasn't gone anywhere. I would be lying if I didn't say I was intensely disappointed. I feel like, you know, more and more, when you see developments in some of these other cases, you know, this hiding in plain sight and every every inch of the information is in front of folks just act on it kind of thing you know it, it's frustrating I wish I had a better answer because that, that like you you know the Cassies are very near and dear to my heart first of all and Jennifer this young woman you know, on the verge of everything and all things possible I feel like has deserved a better effort it's personal I do I feel like you know nine smart teams if you can't commit to a strategy then you need to find someone that can and bring this woman home and bring her you know her uh, suspects to justice that's what i feel what are the other cases that uh, again near and dear to i'm sure your heart and mine and some answers have come forward and we're still waiting to to hear more of course is the uh, the harrington uh, matter what can you tell us i can tell you that um, in my in my view that at least one of the suspects in her uh, sexual assault and murder is currently awaiting uh, charges from the 2005 Fairfax sexual assault, um, which has a multiple DNA link to that assault and also uh, Morgan's assault. Uh, Jesse Leroy Matthew is also the suspect in the Hannah Graham uh, disappearance and murder. Uh, and, and talking about giving a shout-out to law enforcement, I have to say, in contrast to, and I, again, I, you know, it's like I'm, <laughs> I'm playing a compliment and I'm, and, and I'm actually criticizing, but in contrast to how Virginia State Police handled the Harrington case, uh, Tony Longo, the chief of the Charlottesville, Virginia Police Department, did an amazing job of incorporating usage of the press to engage the public and Jesse Leroy Matthew was literally arrested in about a day, or identified as a suspect, I should say, and then he fleed, as you're aware. Um, but for, for, you know, when you look into that case, and you've also got the fact that he was accused uh, of rape twice at two different colleges, whereby he was a Division One football player on scholarship, shipped him back and forth, um, and neither of those were prosecuted. He was also uh, arrested for felony assault uh, a few months before Harrington went missing. And had he been convicted of that and the prosecutor, prosecutor didn't allow him to plead down, his under Virginia law, his DNA would have been part of the database. And unfortunately, let's, let's presume that that would have been um, you know, tested and put into the database 
in, in, a, in a way that would have been timely to avoid uh, Harrington, but at least, at least Hannah Graham, right. because he would have been tied to the Fairfax assault. You know, I, I'd like to hope that it would have saved both of these young ladies, and because I think that has to be part of the conversation. You know, here you have this guy that literally seems to be going under the radar, you know, running around potentially raping and pillaging people, and people are giving him breaks. People are saying they never saw it coming. And then other people are saying, oh, well, you know, every night he's down on the on the mall, on the, on the mile mall, and he's, you know, taking women's shoes off against their will and other suspect behavior. One bar uh, bouncer said, well, we had, we had to throw him out here for three months because he kept harassing women. Well, and he had a particular type. You know, it was white young women with long blonde hair, and they were upper middle class. And I thought to myself, well, did you pick up a phone and call the police when Harrington went missing? Yeah, no, exactly. Because it was right around the same time. Um, so while I'm, I'm thankful for Morgan's parents, truly, um, and we've had this conversation, that they have... Um, at least a measure of peace in the sense that who harmed their daughter, in their view, will face justice and will never, ever be able to harm another young woman. I mean, certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible to hear about uh, Hannah. It's horrible to hear that in terms of this possibly being preventable, of course. It's not going to do anything for that. But, you know, they've been very active in um, making sure on campus that certain Cautions and certain warnings are put out there, but the reality is, as parents, when we're you know taking our children to college or university, these are conversations we just need to have, mm-hmm. and we need to be active about. So I'm thankful for that. It was a long time coming in, and you know, not to say I told you so, but when we looked at the location for where Morgan was located, it directly ties to Matthew's relatives. Yeah. So there's there may be elements to this that we find out um, that we're not aware of because he when he was arrested in Texas, he gave the name of a former owner of Anchorage Farm and a slave owner. Yeah. You know, a piece I wrote in 2011 where I said, hey, everybody, I, you know, if, it, if we agree that it's location-based, if this is like, you know, the most obscure location where she's found with almost no attempts to find her, maybe the way to look at this is the fact that he wasn't trying to obfuscate anything. Maybe it's a statement, and we should be considering what that is. Well, at the end of the day, it looks like that's accurate, you know, years later. So I hope that we just, we, we learn about how we investigate cases we with, um, you know, impunity and with, with um, responsibility when you talk about what you and I do, nobody's going to get away from the fact that these are being solved with the public, with, uh, you know, Scared Monkeys viewers and posters and Blink on Crime viewers and posters. They're contributing to uh, justice, jurisprudence, and, in yeah. my view. And that's so big. And uh, with 2015 here tomorrow, I want to let you go because you want to uh, spend some time with your family. I understand that. But I want to ask you one last question. Blink Blink from uh, Blink on Crime is here. What about 2015? What will we be seeing at Blink on Crime? Well, we're going to focus on following up on, on some cases that are unsolved, of course. You know, Jennifer's case. Sure. Um, Kyron Horman, uh, to name a few. Uh, not slighting anybody. Um, there's 
some other things that are going on. But I, I have probably in the preliminary stages of decided that my body of work, because I don't have the time that I used to have, is probably going to look more towards the analysis of what I would call, um, you know, cases in the appellate world or, you know, high-profile cases requiring another view, but with a, a distillation of current forensic or analytical techniques, and I'll tell you why. In our, you know, it, it differs by state, but as you're well aware of the Innocence Project and you're well aware of these, you know, post-habeas corpus um, initiatives, especially in some of these high-profile cases, um, about two or three months ago, the Department of Justice released a report, um, which to this day, I really can't wrap around it, but it encompasses 40,000 cases that were processed by the FBI lab in the 90s that are absolutely containing errors upon errors upon errors. Some of them are capital. Some of them have to do with the fact that prisoners who were later exonerated were actually put to death. And I'm a proponent of the death penalty based on the crime. So I'll say that up front. I'm, you're never going to hear from me that I'm one of those, you know, I don't want to play God. I, I believe that if the crime, if, if it can be proven beyond, you know, and, and up to a, a reasonable doubt, that the punishment should fit the crime. And I've seen it. You know, you, there's just no way that I would never be able to do what I do and not be able to subscribe to that, in my opinion. Um, but I, we want to be sure. I think you have to be sure. I think our justice system has to match that. So for me, I'd like to put at least, you know, hopefully in, in expressing my view, play a part in making sure that on both sides of the prosecution and the criminal side, that we're trying cases that are high profile, that are um, you know, the, meaning someone's life, that it serves both the victim side and it serves, um, obviously, a proper prosecution where we're not coming back to this because I'll give you a statistic right off the top of my head. California has a 70% appellate rate in habeas corpus. That means, on average, Arius would be, now it, wasn't, it was tried in Arizona, but Arius is a prime example. As, I, as you and I had discussed, right now what's happening is the electronic evidence, the forensic evidence is being questioned and, in my view, is going to give that girl a second bite at the apple. Jeez. And probably without that evidence at all. Wow. And we need to, um, and I'm hoping that viewers and readers and, and folks that are interested in it and want to be advocates need to be vocal and say, it's not okay. You can't, you know, Juan Martinez, you can't whip a camera on the ground when you already know that you withheld evidence from the defense. It has to be a tight situation for everybody involved because I happen to believe she's as guilty as the day is long. And the thought of someone like that getting a new trial and possibly having a different outcome sickens me. And, and I fear for, you know, if I lived near there, I would move. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how serious I feel about it. But we just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm so strong on you know the american system of jurisprudence and i do believe it's the best in the world but and 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 agreed we're talking about high profile cases these are things we generally talk about but i really would like to see 
putting forward some work where everybody, you know, I could sit here and quote five cases that I've worked on this year alone. Uh, David Cam, out of Indiana, tried three times. Finally exonerated in October of 2013, but if I were ever to profile this case for you, you would probably shake your head from the first three lines to, I don't know, maybe the 50th page till you covered everything. But, you know, this is an American citizen, a former law enforcement officer that was railroaded, and that jurisdiction is probably going to end up paying about $30 million for keeping him in jail for 13 years. We just have to get it right. And if we're working towards it on both sides, that's just what we need to do. So that's what I'm hopeful to accomplish uh, in addition, uh, you know, with covering other cases of a more advocate tone. But I'd also like to see that we pay attention to... You know, it's great that we're all talking about it and it's high profile and, you know, it's something that we can talk about in the conversation. But what happens after that? Right. So I'd just like to talk a little bit about how that affects future cases that we're interested in. That's important. It sets a precedent. It's all, you know, important work. And at the end of the day, it just serves victims. And that's how we have to look at it, in my view. And that's what this is all about, and, and getting it right and telling the rest of the story is so important, and, and that's what Blink does so well at uh, BlinkOnCrime.com. Listen, I want to let you go. I want to wish you a, a happy new year. Uh, we we uh, communicate all the time, and uh, we'll be doing more shows, and, and thank you from uh, my uh, perspective for the good work that you and your team do, and I look forward to working with you more in 2015. And that's Blink from uh, Blink on Crime. And yes, I do. I look forward to working with her in 2015. And of course, Red and all of you, because without you, the listener, it wouldn't be much of a show, would it? My name's Dana Pretzer. I'm wishing you a very happy and healthy 2015. And we'll see you again real soon here on Scared Monkeys Radio. You've been listening to The Dana Pretzer Show on Scared Monkeys Radio. We invite you to discuss tonight's program with other listeners by joining us at scaredmonkeysradio.com where you'll find program archives, links to tonight's guest websites, and further information regarding tonight's topics. Scared Monkeys Radio is a production of scaredmonkeys.com. Thanks for listening.